welcome to this week's sermon from C3 Church Narara. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Chris Brown. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net. Now, we started talking last week about relationships, and uh, I want to continue along that vein. We, um, we said how it's, it's good to be busy, it's good to be active and involved and effective and industrious and accomplish things in life, and especially in church life, beginning of the year, you had Erin up here earlier saying, hey, you can always sign on to the you know, children's ministry, and there's other people that love to have people serving in volunteer teams, but there's no point... Uh, getting all our responsibilities set unless we've got relationships as a foundation. Uh, and foundations are very important. The Bible says that unless the Lord builds the house, they labour in vain those who try and build it. In other words, you're wasting your time building something if God hasn't helped you build the right foundation for it. And you haven't got your priorities right, and your motivation right. And so God helps us to build a life. And a good, healthy life has a good, healthy foundation. And uh, when you think of the sort of things people are looking for to build their life on, it's not always uh, the best thing. We might think, oh, winning the lottery, getting a great job promotion, having a lot of money. That would be all I need. That's, that's the forefront of a lot of people's minds. That's what I'm really aiming for. That's what I want to build on. Or uh, high intelligence or a great education or stunning good looks or all sorts of things that people value aren't necessarily uh, the best foundation. But relationships are very important as a strong foundation for a healthy, good life. And they don't come easily or automatically. You've got to invest to get anything out of life. The good things in life are, you know, just something we, we buy into, invest into. Uh, you know, everything of value has a, has a price tag, costs you something. And so, and we've got, so we've all got time, talent and treasure to invest. They're the, that's our resource that we've all got. And again, you can easily invest that into driving that career up the ladder or material possessions or hobbies, leisure pursuits. I mean, look at the country we live in and the weather that we have and the beaches and the, I'm all pumped, I want to get a jet ski. We went down, Ellen and Caleb got this lovely little beach near them at Edelong and I look out there, there's no surf, but there's a jet ski. And I said to Luke, what do you see? Luke goes, a jet ski. I'm like, yeah, it's a jet ski. So I get a jet ski. And Frosty hates them. Yeah, the fishermen hate them. Yeah, right. All right. All right. Well, I'll take up fishing. Oh. <laughs> now, if you're a good fisherman, you can actually catch something. But for me, that's so boring. It's just watching a piece of string in the water for an hour and then going home and getting sunburned. It's terrible. But, you know, hey, we've all got a lot of options. If you know how to fish, that's great. If you know how to sail, where's Woody gone? Champion one and one of these. He's out with the kids. He, you know, won a competition recently so there's lots of great you know activities motorcycling at the top of the list um you know but the best thing you'll ever pursue or invest in is not just your leisure activities or your career or whatever but it's relationships 
And of course, last week I talked about the number one relationship we can have is in God himself. He's made it incredibly, amazingly possible for us to actually have a relationship with our creator. He is not distant and angry and ethereal and, you know, out there, but he's come. Jesus has come and he's come to to wash away our sin, break the barrier that exists between us and God, and we can have a relationship with him. So that's amazing. And then today I want to talk about people. Because in case you hadn't noticed, there's a lot of them and we uh, are going to be in relationship in some sense with, with them in any case. So we may as well try and work on having good ones. Let's look at what the Bible says in First John chapter 4. Now this is one of many passages that talk about how we can get along with people. And he says, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another. For love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love one another, to love each other. No one has ever seen God. But if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. Wow. Like I said, is one of many passages. In fact, that whole book, God, John the Apostle uh, writes a lot about the love of God and how it flows into our life. And so many times we're instructed by God to love people. In fact, the word love is mentioned, I think, 13 times in just those few sentences that we read. And there's also some clues there as to how we can best love people, i.e., connection with God, relationship with God, love from God that flows through us when we just don't have enough love ourselves. And we've all had those times, you know, where you feel, oh Lord, help me. I just, I'm running dry here. And yet we're still with people. There's no oil in the machinery of the relationship. Oh, Holy Spirit, come. Because things can grind against friction, can wear relationships down. So we need to draw in his love so that we can get along and of course when we get along with people life is sweet it's awesome if there isn't any friction or conflict and we just you know what do they say I'm feeling the love uh but here's the problem people people are difficult (laughs) people are people I mean it's easy to get along it's easy to get along with God that relationship is a no-brainer because all you got to do is repent believe in him, realise that, well, I'm hopeless on my own, so God, I'm sorry, but will you love me? Oh, wow, what do you know? He's just, God is love, as we just read. He can't help but love you. He's full of grace, mercy, forgiveness. You mess up, oh, that's okay. He's got more of it. And then you just follow him and he leads you in the right way. So it's just this perfect no-brainer relationship. It's awesome and he blesses you along the way. It's great. But unlike God, people aren't perfect and far from it. You know, that's why pets are so popular in Australia. It's kind of good and bad. It's kind of cute and sad at the same time. You know that Australia's got one of the highest rates of pet ownership? 
in the whole world, 62% of Australian households have at least one pet. In total, are you ready for this? There are over 29 million pets in the country. That's more pets than people. They're taking over. <laughs> There's nearly 5 million dogs. Some people even have reptiles. And it's not just Woody, the tough guy up here, it's his wife as well. They love him, the kids. In fact, be careful when you go out and I say, oh, enjoy fellowship in the courtyard. If one of those fake kids are around, they've probably got a snake and, you know, come out and give, give you a pet and a cuddle. Uh, uh, I hope they don't today, but, you know, they love their animals, their pets, their reptiles, snakes, you know. Uh, no, look, I'm personally, I'm a dog owner. I'm a dog lover. Dogs are great. I get it. Pets don't talk back. They, they greet you when you come home wagging their tail or their fangs, you know, just welcoming you home. Um, and that's all good. But, you know, sometimes it can be a little bit sad if people have found relationships with other people too difficult, they check out and then they just pour their love into an animal or lots of them, you know. And, they, and, and so relationships are problematic, but we shouldn't ever back off and withdraw and prioritise a relationship with an animal over people, as difficult as people are. And that's why God created Eve for Adam, because Adam had all the animals and God said, well, it's not quite the companionship that I can really offer here. And so as much as we love animals, people are more important. They're more precious. They're, we're God's highest creation. And so we shouldn't just check out of human relationships. And when you're so into human relationships, you benefit as well. Because as nice as it is to have a golden retriever drool all over you when you come home, and you don't even have to be, in my family, you know, we got a golden retriever, you don't even have to know the dog. You can be a burglar and he'll drool all over you and go, oh, hey, let me hold your equipment, you know. And just, you know, it's lovely, but the relationship is a little limited. You know, the conversation's just lacking a little. And, um, and so we're called to friendship with people and to fellowship with God's people and to discipleship, which is when we actually grow and improve and change and help others to grow and improve and change when we are called together with God's people. And so let's just think about that for a second. The, the people of God, Christian people, now we are not about putting up fences and cutting people out from the rest of the world. But there is something special that we need to appreciate because, you know, the word church in the New Testament, the Greek word ecclesia, means the called out ones. Not trying to be proud or different or special or, or, or perfect, but just a, an acceptance that I've responded to this call. God's called me out of this life that I was trying to do on my own and now I'm, I'm in the family of God. Suddenly I've got people who I would not normally get along with necessarily but they're my brothers and sisters and you travel the world and go to a church any church worshiping anywhere all around the world today people in of all tribes and languages and and I've had the privilege of going into different cultures at different times and this bizarre but spiritually understandable sense of it's my brother I've never even met him before we can't even speak the same language and totally different culture and all that but there's kingdom culture. We have the same father and here we are in the father's house worshipping even though I can't understand anything that's going on. And so that's pretty cool. And that is the 
calling of God. And so when you believe in Jesus, you suddenly get put into this family and you automatically have brothers and sisters to learn how to get along with and to do life with and encourage and have fun with. And of course, like all families, there's issues, there's challenges, there's conflict, maybe even a crisis. But like good families, we work things out. We stick together. We talk stuff out. We ask the Father to come and help us get along and communicate and we move on. Now, you know, this week Ruth and I have become grandparents for the first time. It's very exciting. It doesn't seem that long ago that our adult children were little munchkins and much as they got on most of the time, there were times like you young parents would have where your little kids, as cute as they are, can be naughty, disobedient, fighting with their siblings, you know, and that's just a normal part of life. You don't tell your kid to, you know, pack his bags just because he didn't tidy his room or if the kid does pack his bags because he's going to, says he's going to run away, you know, I remember my father telling me that he ran away, he was about four years old and he packed his bags, his parents were divorcing and had a terrible upbringing and he said he remembers packing his bags and he had a little suitcase and he packed it and he walked down the street and he got to the corner of the street, it's like out of the movies, you know, he literally said he got to the corner of the street and realised, bad move, nowhere to go. Turned around and his mother was waiting on the doorstep, opened the door, all right, in you go. Yeah, welcome home. <sighs> you know, um, and so, you know, we families work it out. We hopefully don't run away and that's the same for God's family as well as normal, physical, natural families. And there's a lot of talk these days about dysfunctional families. Well, every family's got some level of dysfunction, doesn't it? Really, uh, you know, you've probably all got stories about, oh, let me tell you about Uncle Santa, and Christmas time can be a bit challenging and all that. Well, that's okay. We have a perfect father in this family, the family of God. So he works it out and he'll help you in your own natural family. Get along when things aren't quite right and people aren't perfect. That's okay. And, you know, in the Bible, the Church of Corinth is a classic example of a dysfunctional but still functional kind of blessed, graced by God to survive, uh, family of God, church. Because, you know, you read about some of the issues that were going on when you read the letters that Paul wrote, First and Second Corinthians, some crazy stuff that was going on, and yet God's call is still on them. They're still meeting, they're still worshipping, things are happening. In fact, lots of things were happening. Spiritual gifts were moving in the church. And, you know, in First Corinthians chapters 12 and chapters 14 are all about spiritual gifts and how they operate in the church. And he's saying, oh, it's amazing. You've got people prophesying and gifts of healing and all that. But what is in chapter 13? Smack in the middle of those two chapters, the famous love chapter. The chapter when people ask me to do their wedding, they don't have any church background. I say, do you want a scripture reading? What's that? Oh, have you ever heard of this? Love is patient. Oh, that's that poem. Yeah, yeah. And so then we always get a little bit of the word of God in there. They like that. It's like you know, the 1 Corinthians 13 love passage. But there's no coincidence that that is smack there in those letters, in that letter that he wrote to that church saying, okay, spiritual gifts, that's great. Good. You get all this activity done, make things happen. Good, good. Bam, right in the middle. Love. It's all about love. Without that, it's nothing. Yeah. And so we've got to learn to get along. Nice for us. But also look at this scripture in John chapter 13. It's an important witness when Christians can get along, because look what Jesus said. 
I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. Whoa, that's a very high standard. So that's not something, oh, yeah, yeah, I love people generally and Christians, church friends, brothers, sisters, yeah, yeah. There's a continually high standard as he has loved us. Perfect sacrificial love. You should love each other this way. And then look, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. It's a witness to the world. It's, people are looking for evidence. People want, well, I don't know, do I believe in God? And Well, there's the moral code and there's creation and there's just logic and you can get a good C.S. Lewis or Tim Keller book and intellectualise your way and realise there's got to be some person out there who created it all. And, but there's also this witness of, ah, all these people from different backgrounds and they're messed up like everybody is and yet there's some glue that keeps them together. And so this is a powerful witness when and if Christians can get along and not have it all blow up in their face. So there's this hopefully a community that we strive and many other churches try to build of love, grace, faith, hope, relationships in spite of our personality conflict and diverse background and ethnicity or whatever. And so we can fight for unity, amen, and stand with pregnant pause with our brothers and sisters. Practice forgiveness rather than just talk about it. It's easy to tie, it sounds good, preaching, forgiveness, love. Well, you will have an opportunity, (laughs) you know, because people are people. And then you draw on God's love and grace to ensure we get along. Cool. Now, just think about people beyond the walls of the church because the church isn't meant to have walls or, you know, we're not meant to circle the wagons and be just inclusive and isolated like little enclave. We are called to connect. But sadly, the church has sometimes been known more for what they're against than what they're for. And, and too many Christians, sadly, will use social media as some platform them to rant against the world about something rather than use it as a bridge-building connection with a bit of humour and fun and love and sending out messages of hope and encouragement. So, look, just because something's true doesn't mean you have to get on the rooftops and bellow it out to the world in an angry way, yeah? We need to connect with the masses with, with love. And so... Um, you know, the Bible says we're ambassadors and we've got a message of love, a message that we read about earlier in that passage about what Jesus has done for us, what he wants to do through us, what he wants to do for other people. So our king has given us this message as ambassadors uh, of, and, we, and people should feel loved, valued, appreciated, touched when they're meeting Christians rather than just a target for that Christian to have a go at with their doctrines or evangelism as a duty and so you know it's very it's very easy to get put off by people first impressions who's had this experience you meet someone you think uh and but fortunately if you hopefully you 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 get to know them a little better and then you laugh later on oh wow when I first met you I didn't think you're that great but you know some people in this room probably married like that you know when I first met Hudson tells the story Henry's daughter, Lara, she first came to the church, all young single men, kind of just fainted. She's gorgeous, looked like a Russian Bond girl from the movies, you know. 
And she's sort of quiet and, and Hudson thought, all right, don't blow it, don't blow it, don't blow it. Don't be arrogant, right? Just be really cool and don't be, don't, don't be arrogant. He just told himself, don't be arrogant. So he went up and he met her and hi, hi, you know, da, da, da. And well, long story short, they got married. And then uh, after a while he said, so, so, babe, you know, when we first met, what did you first think? Oh, you're arrogant. <laughs> don't, don't try it, you know. But he, he worked away. He's persistent. Yeah, the negotiator, we used to call him when he was a little kid. So he negotiated his way into loving it. Amor Towles is an author, a novelist with this really cool mind, great turn of phrase, understanding of people, like a lot of good uh, authors are. He's written a book called A Gentleman in Moscow. It's about a count from the old Russian aristocracy and he's trying to cope with life under the new communist regime in the early 20th century. And at one point, the Count meets a woman, is immediately put off by her manner. And this is just something I wanted to read that says it so well about the first impression temptation that we have, right? So she seems to be proud, loud, demanding, difficult. And, but then they get to talk uh, a little later and he starts hearing about her life and he finds that his opinion of her is really changing. And the author writes this, as she talked, the Count had to acknowledge, once again, the virtues of withholding judgment. After all, what can a first impression tell us about someone we've just met for a minute in the lobby of a hotel? For that matter, what can a first impression tell us about anyone? Why, no more than a chord can tell us about Beethoven, or a brushstroke about Botticelli. By their very nature, human beings are so capricious, so complex, so delightfully contradictory that they deserve not only our consideration, but our reconsideration and our unwavering determination to withhold our opinion until we've engaged with them in every possible setting at every possible hour. Did you get that? I hope maybe I've because I've read it a few times now. But you read the book; it's it's a, it's an interesting, good read. But did you see? He just just says we shouldn't be um, put off so easily. First impressions. We need to give people reconsideration, not just a first consideration. And so, uh, no matter how crazy, mixed up, potentially offensive, annoying people are <laughs> at first impression, second, a million impressions. <laughs> we are still called to love them, even when they're annoying and difficult, even if they're within our own house, <laughs> even if you're married to them. Now, I enjoyed reading that novel. It took me all summer. Then Ruth had a turn. Two days later, I thought she'd given up, but no, no, she had finished. So she's quite a reader. And because of that, I try and buy her interesting books. And I was up in uh, the New England area, Urala, where my family come from, little town up near Armadale, uh, before Christmas. And I went into a second-hand bookshop and thought, I'll try and find a book for Ruth. And I uh, asked, and the guy there, this is my first impression story. Because this guy was an older, tall, dignified man. And the kind of guy you'd expect to run a second-hand bookshop, kind of highbrow. And I'm thinking, you're not in the city, you're not in Paddington, you're in Urala. But anyway, I wonder, you know, what the rents are cheap. I guess no one's ever going to buy that. Anyway, but and I said, oh, excuse me, do you have a religious book section? Yes. <laughs> and I, you know, and I'm a 
red-blooded mouth. I feel like walking out, you know. It's like, okay, okay, he's, he's going to make me say it. Don't I? Would you mind showing me where it is? You know, and I'm drawing on every ounce of trying to be polite because I feel like saying, oh, come on, mate, you know. So I, would you, and he goes, not at all, you know. And then he sort of he points me, you know, and I feel like he's like an English don in a country town, in a, you know. And I look around and I find a couple of books, you know, written old Christian books that I buy for Ruth. But I also saw in, I saw Eton Athletics uh, Coaching Manual or something. I thought, oh, from Eton, the, you know, the private school in England. And then when we got to the counter, behind him was a, a plaque and it said something like Eton Athletics Club, 1971 or something. So... I have to overcome my first impression of you're just an annoying, grumpy old man to show interest because I think I like athletics. This guy's got a story. And I feel the love of God. You know that sense where you feel like you could, it's like the two, the sinful side of you says, oh, tell them to get stuffed and go and mind your own business. You know, the other, and the other part of you is the Holy Spirit saying, no, don't tell them that. Love them. Be kind. You're a Christian, remember? You know? And I'm a professional Christian. That's the problem. <laughs> You know, so it's really annoying for me. Neighbours, you know, motorcyclists, arrogant, you know, I, oh, I've always, hey, I've got to be there. Um, so I say, oh, tell me, what's the connection with Eton? You know, because I've walked the streets, of, is it Oxford? It's, isn't it? I've walked near Eton, near Windsor, and I've walked and I, Paul showed me the Eton guys, you know, and they've got their uniform. It's an exclusive high-class private school that, um, you know, is in England, and uh, and this guy. Anyway, it's a long story, but this guy taught there. He was a maths teacher, an Australian maths teacher, travelling around England. Ended up getting this job. Ended up because he was an Australian getting the athletics coaching job because they assume Aussies are athletic. And he said, "Well, you know, I didn't know that much about it, but I, I gave it a go." And then we ended up, you know, doing quite well. Of you know, and so we had this fascinating conversation. It turns out he taught um, David Cameron. Boris Johnson, two English prime ministers, taught them, knew them personally. He said, yes, David Cameron is very, very clever. Boris Johnson, well, he's more of a networker and quite a personable guy, not, you know, sharpest tool in the box you know, and all that. But it was just fascinating hearing about, wow, he's a guy who's met personally English prime ministers and had this guy. And then I left feeling really blessed that I had heard this guy's story rather than just, uh, you know, being put off by his first impression. And so that was just, I thought, a little example in my life of how, you know, we can just lean in a little longer, a little more grace, you know, and, uh, and you never know, you might find out something really interesting from someone. And so, uh, come on, as Christians, you know, we, we've got a lot more to offer than just a listening ear. Because in that situation, that's all I really had to work with. But, you know, there are other opportunities that come up where we can really share more deeply about the gospel, about God's love, about what he's done in our lives, what he can do in their lives. And we have a message, not just, oh, yeah, we're called to be nice, kind people. We have a life-changing message, you know, and it won't get through to people without relationships, especially these days where people are looking for authenticity. They don't just want a mass media communicated message. They don't necessarily want to go to a, a crusade environment, much as Billy Graham was and T.L. Osborne and some of these great crusades and perhaps it's still happening and working for some people, but 
more and more you hear people talking about, I want community, I want authenticity, I want a smaller group. Young people don't necessarily want to go to a stadium, want everything bigger and better. People don't, you know, they look for cute little weird, I mean, shops and cafes. It seems like the grungiest, smallest cafe you can come up with, the more popular it is. Young people, you know, they want this divey little weird gap in between two buildings with a door and this rugged looking guy making coffee and it's like oh have you been to that place and you go there and it's like really you know whereas down the road there's this really nice pristine shiny kind of like oh I don't want to go there it's not authentic you know so people are into you know authenticity you know what I'm saying so we so the church we're ripping off all the nice stuff we're getting rid of that painting looks too straight we're gonna rip the place up put some galvanized iron and rust everywhere getting authentic I'm joking Okay, we're keeping things nice, but you know what I'm saying. People want real relationship, and the number one relationship we can point them to is with the Lord, but they'll find that out through us. And so let's point people towards the only person in the universe who can really bring freedom, forgiveness, peace, freedom from guilt, joy, purpose to live for, eternal life. You get the message. Let me read that passage one more time, what we read at the beginning. Dear friends, let's continue to love one another. Love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But if you don't love, you don't know God, for God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. That's the gospel right there. So, dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one's seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us, and his love is brought to full expression in us. Oh, isn't that awesome? So, come on, let's come to a close and pray for God to pour his love into our hearts not just to bless us and build us and touch us, but that we can be vessels to carry his love. We hope you've enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net.